Welcome to the Extreme Anime Radio Podcast, powered by Anchor. The opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect the Extreme Anime Radio Podcast in general. Also, portions of the live stream may be edited for podcast release. Extreme Anime Radio. greatest city in the world broadcasting to fans of anime and the japanese culture all around the world we welcome you to the one and the only extreme anime radio podcast it is the 27th of may 2020 the final extreme anime radio podcast episode for the month we thank you so much for joining us and uh i will not waste any time in introducing our special guests for this evening well, one is not a special guest. He's just a regular from north of the border, Mr. Neff Canuck. Good evening. Uh, how, how dare you say I'm not special? Oh, of course you are. But, you know, you're, you're special <laughs> enough that you hear every show. So that counts, doesn't it? <laughs> Indeed, it does. And we have another special guest joining us once again here on the Extreme Anime Radio Podcast from all the way across the Atlantic, some 3,000 or so miles away over in Scotland, Please welcome one of the cosplayers of Extreme Anime Radio mascot, Sarah Yoshida, Capelia Cosplay. Hello, Capelia. Hello. I've been trying to figure out if good morning or good evening is more appropriate right now. Oh, no, that's right. Uh, because, uh, let's see, right now it will be, right now as we're doing this live, it's Wednesday evening, 8.02 p.m., and right now, in your neck of the woods, it's one o two a.m. on a Thursday morning. That is correct. Yes. Oh my! So we thank you so much for joining us here at this very, very inconvenient hour. Oh, I was awake anyway. <laughs> but uh, we really do appreciate Capelia taking time out uh, to join us. For this podcast, remember that the Extreme Anime Radio podcast is available on Anchor at anchor.fm forward slash anime radio. You can also search for the Extreme Anime Radio podcast on a variety of podcasting platforms. Just search for the Extreme Anime Radio podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and a plethora of other locations. It is a late hour for you, Capelia, so that's why I'm trying to move things along with the show just a little bit. Um, I'd like to welcome everybody who's joining us live in the Extreme Anime Radio chat room. So, Capelia, how are things in your neck of the woods these days? Um, it's not been too bad, it feels, uh, for me anyway, in, in terms of the weather's been nice. I've been able to go out and do some exercise with the dog, and we've been having a good time. Um, news is a little bit less than good, but trying to just stay positive and focus on the good things. So nice weather, and we're all just doing our best to keep keep happy. That's good. That's good. And how about you, Neff? Well, I mean, th things are going as they are. I mean... I've been out now a couple more times with the new wheels, getting used to it, and finding out exactly how many empty two-fours you can shove into the back of a Ford Escape. Answer, quite a number of them. Uh-oh. Is it like one of those questions, uh, how many licks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop? Not quite, because the person loading these uh, cases, they forgot physics, uh -oh. because... They initially had a second row 
of beer of these cases behind our heads. Oh, no. I cheerfully reminded that person that should I need to stop suddenly, uh, the result will be we will be brained by those cases, which resulted in a quick uh, reconfiguration. <laughs> is, 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 is that uh, the first law of uh, Newton's physics, I believe? For every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction, pretty much. There it is. <laughs> uh, and over here in uh, the greatest city in the world, we're still technically under lockdown, although the rest of the state has moved on to slow reopening of uh, various industries. Uh, I get to work today at the track, and I see that the new hockey arena for the Islanders, they have restarted construction as of today. And uh, the projections are that um, with the mild summer, um, the mild summer, with the mild winter, they were able to get a lot more done before COVID nineteen put the brakes on everything. Now the projection is they will finish the arena on time. So I'll believe it when I see it. I was going to say, with any large scale construction project, especially of a sports stadium, any estimate they give you of dates, ba and loney. <laughs> in that order pretty much <laughs> we have a lot of topics to head on on tonight's extreme anime radio podcast but uh capelli i know you were on um uh, another show of ours last month uh but just uh reintroduce yourself please to the uh listeners of the podcast uh, sure. So my name is Capelia, like you've said, and um, I'm from Glasgow, which is uh, one of the largest cities in Scotland. And I've been cosplaying since about 2012. And Sarah, I've been cosplaying for a couple of years now, I think. I believe so, yeah. And um, yeah, it's one of my great favorite characters to cosplay because I get to uh combine cosplay which obviously i love with ballet dancing which is something that i love as well so it's a, a nice little outlet for me for both of those hobbies very good very good glasgow is a wonderful place that i will be certain to return to one day as i've probably said on previous shows uh, capelia was wonderful enough to show me around uh for a few days we went out into the countryside which was amazing we went to a Japanese garden. Remember that one and a dollar. I do. I, do. I, um, I still follow them on Facebook, actually, and they've been posting photos of it even in this situation. It's closed, obviously, but uh, we can still see pictures of how it's looking, and it's it's just getting more beautiful every single time I see it. Right. It's uh, it's those nice touches that uh, places like um, the Japanese garden over there and many other places. Uh, uh, who, that are closed are reaching out to social media to open themselves back up in a way to people who might be stuck at home. This chance to kind of remember that there are things out there that still keep the world beautiful. And I'm, I'm very thankful for sort of the local spaces that I do have. Definitely. Um, we're very lucky to have access to a, a big country park right next to my house, which is beautiful. Oh, lovely. Now, where is Scotland, uh, where do you guys stand right now as far as uh, uh, reopening, or are we still uh, in a pause moment? Um, so officially, we're still in lockdown. We, um, the Scottish government has diverged slightly from the UK government. Politics there are a bit confusing, but we, we are our own entity in that sense. There is an announcement due, well, tomorrow for you guys, today for me, um, uh, where it is expected that we'll be moving to phase one, which is a slight lifting of the lockdown situation, just a few, a few, um, a few businesses being allowed to open. And I believe the rules are that we can meet outside with one other household. Okay. Um, rather than not being able to meet at all. I see. So nice, uh, nice slow uh, um, build up for you guys back to whatever the new normal is going to be. Yes, and um, I'm really glad actually the government, the Scottish government, have been published a document which sets out all the stages of the phases the different phases and how we're going to get back to normal really clearly and um it's really evident how it's really science-based and really obvious like it's all dependent on our number and exactly how we're going to move from one stage to the next is really clear for us so we've been very fortunate there 
Very good, very good. I know here in the U.S., uh, the federal government has le- left it to the states. That's a whole another debate that we can save for another time, I think, with the way things are going in my land. Uh, Neff, what about your land? Well, the various provinces are at various stages of reopening. Uh, mine, Ontario, has started the first stage. Uh, I will say this. Uh, there are some people who apparently thought that stage one meant all bets are off, Uh-oh. leading to a photo that may have gotten on social media around the world of the Toronto mayor in a park loaded with people, first of all, absolutely loaded, no social distancing, Uh-oh. talking to someone with his mask down. Ah. Yeah, it's just like, you, 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 you. <laughs> <laughs> At least, I don't live in Toronto. I just live beside that cesspool of germs. (laughs) Those are mighty strong words. You haven't seen the numbers. (laughs) Basically, COVID-19 has become a greater Toronto area problem, Mm -hmm. with the rest of the province showing all the signs of things leveling off and getting better. So, think of it as New York City in a different scale. Okay. Yeah, we still have a bit of a ways to go. Um, I believe uh, in New York City, the metrics they're waiting for, we've met all the metrics except the availability of hospital beds. So we're waiting for, I believe, 30% of available hospital beds in our area Mm. hospitals before we can move to our first phase. And that's kind of one of the main things uh, that they're waiting for so that if – um, you know, if this were to build back up again, they'll have at least the space, whatever space they have. Mm. Now, somebody in the chat room mentioned uh, ha- going out and having to wear a mask uh, because of the city requirement. Now, the problem is masks are a great idea if there aren't other medical issues. Yeah. As you know, I have enough medical issues to fill a library. Mm. So wearing a mask that close to my face, mm it did it I tried it once, and that was before the temperatures here turned up to shake and bake. Mm. So if I have to go to a grocery store and they suddenly say no mask, no service, that's going to get interesting. Right, right. Yeah, again, uh, in this neck of the woods is a big debate. Were you saying something, Apelia? I was just going to say here, it, it's quite interesting. We have um, the government, the Scottish government are recommending the wearing of masks in public place in enclosed public places like supermarkets or public transport but it's not a requirement it's just a, a recommendation at this point so there's kind of some leeway there um, but gradually you're seeing more and more people are taking to wearing them right uh, it, it it can be a common sense approach depending on how you think of it but uh, yeah um People uh, here are getting back to the usual grind here in the city. I- I'm-, I'm passing traffic jams on the way to work. So that's kind of telling me, yeah, people want get- to get back to living their lives. But uh, we just got to ke- take everything one step at a time, right, Neff? I was going to say, New York City without traffic jams. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> that's, been- that's how it's been the last two months, except for emergency construction. Mm, that must that must have been quite interesting because I can say that yeah we we had at one point nobody on the roads and when I had to go to a doctor's appointment it was like I'll just fly now right. <laughs> as opposed to wait at the lights and then the next lights and then the next lights right um, so this is something that will continue I know for a fact that I'm trying to keep an eye on the situation with regards to international travel. As I've said, and as I know you all are dreaming, uh, I'd like to, and we all would like to go back to Japan one day, as well as uh, various other countries, but it's still a little bit hard to leave our homes and uh, cross the borders. Um, Japan is uh, now no longer in a state of emergency. They lifted their state of emergency uh, for the entire country uh, just a few days ago, I believe. Um, the number of daily infections has gone down significantly in Japan, which is a good thing. So now they're starting to slowly reopen within the country. Uh, unfortunately, around the same time they lifted the state of emergency, 
they added, I believe, 11 other countries slash territories to their entry ban. So now 111 countries and territories, including U.S., Canada, U.K., still cannot enter Japan. And uh, the last I've heard, um, the... Um, the opinion that I've seen on the NHK shows is that they'll probably reopen uh, the borders to foreign nationals soon, but tourism will be among the last things they will allow. So, for example, um, if you work in a Japanese business or you have family in Japan or for some other reason you're, you have long-term residency in Japan, you'll be allowed back. Short-term uh, stays like tourism will probably be put on hold for a little while longer. Mm. Yeah, because, I mean, I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to make sure that their contact tracing is fully in place and operational. Mm -hmm. Because in that way, they can more easily track outbreaks should one occur. Right. And uh, right now, uh, if you go into Japan... Uh, if you're somehow allowed in, you still have to quarantine for 14 days somewhere. Well, that that's a request, not a requirement like other countries. But, um, yeah, if they were to lift the foreign national entry ban, I'm pretty sure there will be some sort of quarantine still in place. Um, I see at the bare minimum they'll test everybody w when they land and then maybe quarantine them until they get a negative uh, COVID result. Does that seem logical? Yeah, the problem is the, the the gestation period isn't quite nailed down yet. Right. So I'm not quite sure what how long they expect the person to stay in quarantine after that, after the test at the airport. Right, but uh, we can agree on one thing. We all love Japan, don't you, Capelia? Absolutely. It's uh, one of the most beautiful countries I've ever visited. And when did you uh, last visit? Oh, goodness. Um, I think it was three or four years ago now. I'm actually struggling to, to remember the date. Okay, so it was pretty recent, wasn't it? Uh, relatively, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was, um, it was uh, September, October time. Ooh, the fall, which is... Uh... I think half of my trips to Japan have happened in the fall because that will be around the time I take off right after the summer work season. That's kind of like my little getaway, and obviously now this year that's going to change. But uh, I did want to talk to you uh, more, Capelli, about your trip to Japan uh, a little bit more than what we discussed in the previous time you were on. Um, how long were you in the country, roughly? Um, it was just under three weeks that we were, we were there. So a very long time. Yeah, it was um, it was a big holiday, but it's a long way to go, so you might as well spend as much time as you can, I think. Right, and uh, I think uh, from what I've inferred from our conversations, the place you enjoyed the most was uh, the Kansai region. Yes, um, Kyoto was probably my, my favorite location. It was just, just so beautiful visiting all the, the different sites, the temples in particular, mm -hmm. and then seeing some of the different aspects of the culture that were there very good um so you went to some of the uh major sightseeing points the temples and the shrines and whatnot yes um uh we were lucky enough to have a bit of a guided tour so um they took us around uh uh Gion and, and and some of some of the different geisha districts we visited some of the different temples as well um a whole range of them and of course when I went to see the bunkies and the different uh, very clearly touristy things that you can do as well so you went to the monkey good. park of course we did oh nice that is that would be if if it's the one i visited that's the one that's in the arashiyama section yes uh, up, uh, up the up high on one of the hills yes yeah i went with uh mary uh on my third trip we visited that monkey park and, uh, you know, if you don't remember much of the details, um, one thing's for sure, you cross a long bridge across a river, which is a very famous bridge, and then you make a steep climb up to the mountain where uh, you're greeted with, like, a, a, a cool mist, and then you can, uh, you're instructed how to feed the monkeys. 
Yes, I remember that. You have to go inside this little hut. Yeah, that's it. Um, you can purchase the food, and then you can feed the monkeys through the bars. Um, that way they can't physically, like, um, there's no risk of them hurting you in any way. Right, because apparently there have been cases that if you're not careful, they'll do a little more than nibble the snacks. Well, I mean, they're hungry, so... <laughs> But, uh, yeah, that was a nice uh, time that we had there for sure. Um, and Kyoto is such a wonderful place that uh, preserves tradition so much, um, even in the midst of modern times. And uh, I think one example of that will probably be Kyoto Station, uh, the main train station in Kyoto. Yes, it, it really is like stepping into the past for a moment. Mm, the high ceilings and everything, and then uh, walking out to see Kyoto's with buildings not not very high because there's a law against high buildings. Mm -hmm. And um, any other fond memories of uh, Kyoto? Um, it's incredibly touristy, but I, I did do um, a Michael Henshin, a, a, a transformation into uh, the full get-up for the um, Michael with my hair done and the makeup and that was my first chance to wear kimono and that that was really special as well just i'd never worn anything like it before and it was it was just incredible to see these gowns and the complexities of these of these um clothes up close and i know you've uh, integrated uh, those uh, outfits into your cosplays as well there are various different outfits you've tried uh, yes, so um, it inspired me to try and recreate to the best of my ability um, a Michael's outfit. Um, so I spent a lot of time putting that together, some of it being completely handmade, some of it being second-hand items that I repurposed, and it also inspired me to start collecting kimono as as a hobby, so not just as in something that I do as a co as part of my cosplay, but as some garments that I just take pleasure in owning and wearing when I can. Very good, very good. Um, yes, it's a wonderful thing that uh, we can uh, reminisce about the past and look forward to the future of uh, what we can do in uh, Japan when we go. Uh, Neff, uh, just to reiterate to the audience, is there something that you would like to uh, uh, check out next time on your trip? Well, uh, as most of you know, I am a bit of a gearhead, so automotive museums would be where I would hit. Uh, there's, there's one from Mazda and Toyota, and I believe Honda has one as well. So if I could hit the big three, that would be quite, you know, because to, to watch their industry evolve as compared to North America, will, would be quite fascinating because, of course, completely different road structure, etc., as, as opposed to the North American wide open spaces, big cars, gaudy metal fins, the whole nine yards. Wow. Well, um, if we continue on here with our show. I think it is time to take a bit of a break, but we're, we're making uh, wonderful progress uh, given the late hour. Uh, when we come back, uh, we'll talk a little bit about uh, NHL and Dungeons and & Dragons. And Capelia, you're going to give me a crash course in D&D? Um, I'm going to try, apparently. <laughs> so we hope you'll continue joining us here on the Extreme Anime Radio Podcast. We'll be back in just a moment. She's hip. She's cool. She loves to dance. And she loves to live life to the fullest. Who is she? She's Sarah Yoshida, the mascot of Extreme Anime Radio. And now, Sarah gives personalized video greetings. Thanks to the help of the many cosplayers of Sarah Yoshida, we bring you Sarah Shoutouts. One of the cosplayers of Sarah will provide a personalized shoutout or greeting on video. Want to wish someone a happy birthday or a happy holiday? Ask for advice or an uplifting message? Too shy to say something and want Sarah to say it on your behalf? There are many possibilities. Each Sarah shout-out is only $8. Proceeds will be used toward our monthly live stream bills and help promote the Extreme Anime Radio podcast. For more information on how you can schedule a Sarah shout-out, please email us at extremeanimeradio at gmail.com or private message us on social media on Facebook at facebook.com slash anime radio or on Instagram 
at Extreme Anime Radio. Terms and conditions apply. Extreme Anime Radio. Welcome back to the Extreme Anime Radio podcast. Uh, it is me, it is Neff, and it is Capelia Cosplay from Scotland, who we thank once again for joining us. And we'd like to remind everybody about the Sarah shoutouts, which you can order. If you're interested, uh, please contact us for more information. As I mentioned in our previous podcast, pretty soon we'll probably be opening up our podcasts to sponsorships. Uh, so please uh, keep following us for more information. So, Capelia, in the lead-up to uh, your appearance tonight on our podcast, you did a brand-new Sarah cosplay shoot, uh, part of our hashtag Sarah at Home series. So please tell us your inspiration for that. Um, most of it, or really all of it, has been inspired by the different things that I've been doing to entertain myself in lockdown. So... We've done a couple of photos, some of which was playing D&D. Uh, some of it was play um, was doing ballet practice in my kitchen, which is where I'm using the kitchen counters as a makeshift bar so that I can stay in shape whilst this is all happening and I can't attend regular classes. And we also had the one of me taking a nap because, well, I'm sure everybody's taking naps these days. Yes. <laughs> but I was... Uh... I was uh, happy with the ones you took with your dog, uh, Kaylee. Yes, we took a few silly ones with my with my dog, Kaylee. She's, um, she likes to be involved in the things that are going on in the house. She did have, we did have a wee accident, though, when we were taking one of the pictures. I was uh, throwing one of her toys for her, and she knocked one of my little Totoro ornaments off its shelf, and poor little Totoro lost his ears. Oh, no. Yeah, I, I saw that blooper shot that you posted on Instagram. <laughs> I think she looked suitably uh, apologetic for, for the accident. <laughs> but uh, you've had Kaylee for how long? I have had Kaylee for... But see, it would be nearly four years now, because she's four in July, so almost four years. And she's uh, a German Shepherd? or? Yep, she is a German Shepherd, very long-haired and fluffy, and I think she's very cute, personally. Um, and she is my companion in many walks of life. Very good, very good. And... Um... Yeah, so I saw the the picture with uh, the broken Totoro, and uh, the one that we shared today was you napping with a plush Totoro. <laughs> There's actually quite a fun story behind that Totoro. Kaylee is um, Kaylee came to Comic Con with me, uh, one of the big ones here in Scotland, and um, they were giving out free stuff at a panel, and that Totoro was one of the was one of the things they were giving away, and the guy just spotted Kaylee and was like yeah I'm giving the dog the Totoro so that big Totoro plush actually belongs to Kaylee not me wow and we were talking about this before we went on the air um Kaylee is lucky because she has Netflix and I'm lucky that I have HBO Max and Neff's not so lucky what are we talking about we're talking about the library of Studio Ghibli Movies that are now available everywhere except Canada. Yeah, I, I, and this goes to that whole licensing thing where weird things happen uh -huh. when you're when you're talking about North America because in some cases they treat North America as one big piece, Canada, the U.S. Others they slice they slice it up, and you're not sure why and to what to what end. Yeah, but I um. I just uh, realized today that uh, HBO Max has launched uh, in the U.S. this week. Uh, there's normally a fee associated with that, but uh, as I correctly guessed, with my Verizon Fios subscription, which includes HBO, I get free access to HBO Max. So you have to log in with HBO Max, and you have to put up with what you see initially when it pops up. The first thing that pops up when you log in is the Not Too Late show with Elmo, the new Sesame Workshop show that they're pushing on the HBO Max service. And, of course, this goes back to 
uh, Sesame Street uh, reaching that agreement with HBO many years ago for their first run uh, programs, including Sesame Street itself. Um, so you scroll down there, and then you have uh, these little sections that, of the uh, TV shows and movies that they have grouped together, and one of them says Studio Ghibli with the Totoro logo on it. And then you open it up, and you see the top of the page, My Neighbor Totoro, Spirited Away, Kiki's Delivery Service, Howl's Moving Castle, Princess Mononoke. And I'm like, I'm in heaven. I think I have to start a Ghibli marathon. To heck with that anime I started watching last week. <laughs> well, I mean, that, that, how many films are we talking here? I can't remember offhand. It is... The entire Ghibli music, uh, not music, the entire Ghibli movie library, with the exception of, I believe, Grave of the Fireflies. I've seen Grave of the Fireflies once. And? I would never, never, ever watch it again. <laughs> it wasn't that it was bad, but it was the emotional equivalent of getting a nuclear bomb dropped on your head. Oh boy! Which, considering the subject of the movie, is a rather appropriate slash inappropriate metaphor. It is a beautiful film, but it is very difficult what difficult to watch in the end. Um, it's one that I I think I've watched it twice, um, and I think there were several years in between the watching. Right. Uh, one title that I saw on the list to watch. Um, I, this must be kind of like um, one of the the Ghibli films that kind of slips under the radar. My neighbor, the Yamadas. I don't think I've seen that one. Or my the neighbor, the Yamadas. The name's familiar, but I haven't seen it. Right. I'm gonna look that up real quick. It's one of the Ghibli films that kind of slips under the radar. 1999. The Yamadas are a normal Japanese uh, family. Father Takashi and his wife Matsuke argue over a TV remote control. Grandma Shiga always brightens the day with her proverbs, and daughter Nanako likes to get lost in a shopping center. And this is from Isao Takahata, who is a very popular name in Studio Ghibli lore, who's worked with a lot of the major films as well. Hmm. I think I'll need to go and take a watch of that this weekend. Definitely. I'll just see if it's available in Canada somewhere. Capelia, <laughs> <laughs> um, another uh, part of the Sarah cosplay you recently did was with good old Dungeons and Dragons. Ah, uh, yes. Good old D&D. So you have to now, we kind of uh, um, talked about this before we went on the air. You have to introduce a noob like me into Dungeons and Dragons who is Heard of it and seen it played a little, but has never, I've never done it myself. Well, I mean, I still very much consider myself to be new at it. I've, only, I've not been doing it for a, even a year yet, but um, it's become a, a big part of my lockdown life and was gradually becoming a big part before it. Um, the idea is basically a group of people getting together and collaboratively telling a story. And you have one person who is kind of the the DM or the dungeon master who is in charge of where the story is going. So they tell you what's happening in the world around you. And then every player has their individual character that they control the actions of as well. And then you we use dice, predominantly a d20, and they, those help to indicate what way the story is going to go so it gives you that element of random chance that you're never quite sure if what you're planning is going to succeed and if you're planning in a dungeon and dragons game you're almost guaranteed that it's going to fail well because you you have to roll like one number or, or certain numbers in order to make it work is that the idea that's the idea so every character has stats that are determined by various things the race that you're playing the class that you're playing as well and those then are added together so you'll roll your d20 you add your your modifier as it's called which is comes from your stats and that gives you your your total so it could be a 10 or a 17 and your dungeon master determines whether that is successful to achieve what you were trying to do depending on how difficult the activity is 
Tell me a little bit more about the role of the of the dungeon master. Sort of like uh, sort of like the referee of sorts, isn't it? A referee is a good way to put it. They're there to kind of um, to mo- moderate any decisions that have to be made and to tell you what's happening in the world. So they control any characters that aren't played by the car- uh, by your players. They also control what's happening in the world. Small things like weather, uh, massive narrative storylines. They they have full full control of the world basically. So you're kind of playing in their little home. I see. And uh, these games can go on for quite a long time, can't they? They can, but they can also be very, very short. I, um, I've i played been playing in a few one-shots, which is just the, the phrase that we use for games that are just a one-off, mm-hmm. um, maybe four hours or a little bit more. And that's just a really good way maybe to get an introduction to the game or to try out a new character, see how you feel about things. And then you can get big, massive, long campaigns that just go on for even years. Uh, And everything in between. It was a game that I believe was invented in the 70s, was it not? So well before the the age of computers. So would you you agree that even today it's more of a pen and paper game as opposed to you can use a computer for stuff? Um... Yes and no. So there's a lot of online resources available now. Um, Everything from, uh, there's a website, D&D Beyond, that allows you to do your character sheets, your statistics and everything online. And I think it's got apps as well. There's websites um, like Roll20 and there are are other ones out there as well. That's just the one that I know of that allow you to kind of simulate battle maps and models and figurines and stuff online so you could do it entirely digitally but everybody i know tends to prefer good old-fashioned pen and paper the groups that i'm playing with we all play with pen and paper and real dice as well even in lockdown we're still keeping with that and we're just video chatting rather than um, meeting up in person to play so there's a way you can play it very much the way it was in the 70s or you can play it completely modern or some balance whatever's going to suit you in the group best Neff, have you ever played uh, Dungeons and Dragons? In the deep dark past, yeah but I wasn't very good at it I mean, <laughs> I, I could create a character, but it seemed that no matter what I did my dice rolling skills didn't exist I mean, I would <laughs> I would literally roll the worst possible roll for a situation. They would literally look at me and go, do you have a black cloud over your head? Because it was impossible. Like, If you needed a 20 to do something, I get a 1. If you need a 1 to do something, I get a 20. <laughs> and these dice were not rigged in any way, shape, or form. It was just me rolling and, oh, not again. Uh, yeah, I I have heard of people who have this sort of bad luck. Um, to be honest, my game today felt a little bit like that. I could not roll above low numbers. We have a, a bit of a running thing in my game where my character tries to make medicine checks to heal other people. And for all the weeks that we've played, I've never managed to roll above a five, which is not a success in any way, shape or form. <laughs> Every single time I make this one type of check. So weird trends happen. And one of our players today, I think, rolled four ones in a row. So Oh, boy. Things just Sometimes it just doesn't go your way. But... If you're with a good group and and it's fun, even rolling a natural one can sometimes lead to some of the most memorable and funny moments. I, I may have to invite you guys to the craps table and see what happens. <laughs> well, that, that's where I'll do exactly the wrong thing again. Just <laughs> me and Dyson. But uh, in the chat room, uh, Ducky, hi Ducky. Uh, she says uh, she recommends D and D Beyond. Uh, she uses it to track her stats and abilities. Have you heard of that? Yeah, that's that's actually the, the website I mentioned just a little bit. Okay. Um, it, it's one where you can upload character profiles, so you can use it to track how your character develops. You can use it to add your different stats as you level up, because as you level up, you get the ability to do more things as your character grows and gets more experience. Um, 
I, I know people who do prefer it. Um, it means you don't have to have copious amounts of character sheets and bits of paper lying everywhere. I guess I'm just like the old-fashioned pen and paper, but that's just me. I've always like, you know, I, I prefer a book to a Kindle. I prefer to take notes by hand rather than on my laptop. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit like that. Okay. Now with all this talk of D&D, I'm tempted to screw hbo max and watch stranger things now and this is a hard decision for me to make (laughs) i really enjoyed the first season of stranger things but i confess i haven't actually got around to watching season two or three me me too me too we're in the same boat on that regard i think another thing i'll need to add to the list to to catch up on (laughs) oh and ducky's making her own set of dice that's cool oh that's amazing i am I know a lot of people who are what's colloquial, who are referred to as uh, dice goblins, I believe is the phrase, um, people who just collect dice. <laughs> um, I've managed to restrain myself to having a set for every character that I have, rather than just all of the pretty, pretty dice. Okay. But I'm impressed that you can, that there's somebody making their own. I, I can't even imagine where you'd begin with that. Nice. Okay, so this is a game where you can actually create multiple characters, uh, but can you play one at a time or more? Yes, yeah, so generally you'll have one character running actively in, in a game at okay. any time. So um, I have uh, three cam- uh, campaigns running, so that's just three different groups that I'm playing with. So I've got three different characters playing one in each group. Oh, wow. Um, and and that's really fun as well because D&D has a huge amount of different races that you can play. So you can play an elf or a human or a dwarf or really any fantasy race that you can think of. Mm-hmm. And then it's got lots of classes as well. So that's wizards, fighters, barbarians, monks, tons of different options there as well. So each one will give a different character and a different flavor. So playing in lots of different games is a, is a good way to kind of try out these different combinations and see what you can create. Was it you or somebody else who recommended that I buy the the official Dungeons & Dragons starter addendum, which is apparently an addendum to the official rule book, but it's, you know, it works on its own to, if you want to get started? Yeah, I think it's the starter set that it's called. Starter um, set, that's right. And, um, yeah, it's, it's basically your beginner's guide. So it kind of has everything you need to run a basic game. And then if you get really into it, you can start buying all the different ex- and all the different additions, all the different um, modules that you can add to it. And you can really go really wild with it. And even out there, outside of the officially published stuff from Wizards of the Coast, there's a whole range of what's called homebrew, which is just fans of the game coming up with their own content and creating their own their own ideas and a lot of them will put a lot of the, them will put these up on reddit or in D beyond and allow you to play with what they've created as well so you can just find so such a wealth of information wow now i'm very very tempted and ducky's asking uh what are you capelia uh, i would assume in regards to dungeons and dragons what am I playing at the moment? So I have Lorana, who is a high elf rogue. I have Aurora, who is a half elf bard. And in a game that's just about to start, I have Tessa, who is a gnome cleric. You say her name was Tesla, like the car? <laughs> no, Tessa. Oh, no Tessa. Elf. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, and. One of my my very first character, really, um, who's a game that's now finished, was a changeling warlock. And that was really fun because changelings can change their appearance at will. So I effectively got to be any race I wanted at any time. So that, that was really good fun. Yes. This is also going to be inspiration for another project that I'll talk to you guys when we finish. But, uh, okay, uh, Ducky's, uh says, oh, wow, she's very impressed. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> So uh, now, uh, Neff, I'm going to make the worst segue of all time. Um, if we were to roll a, a 16, will the Toronto Maple Leafs win the Stanley Cup? With our luck, yes. There'll be no parade, nothing. 
because of course pandemicville <laughs> it's like this would be the year the lease would actually win when you can't actually stop right <laughs> just very quickly neff uh what are your thoughts of this new expanded uh tournament format well it's designed to do two things one's designed to foster uh interest in markets that would otherwise you know not care because Chicago and Montreal are two of the biggest mar- hockey markets there are in North America. Uh, also designed to generate revenue, which, of course, the owners need because they lost a number of games mm. at the end of the season. And oddly enough, as it works out, this money, they don't have to share with the players. So in other words, it's all for them. But there's also an insidious third reason why they're doing all this or trying to because nothing is confirmed yet Mm. and that is the tv contract in the u.s is up very shortly okay so what better way to showcase your product and make sure it's in the public eye in the u.s than to create a tournament with a larger reach to try and crown a stanley cup champion now, I'll be polite and say Stanley Cup champion and not use the term I used off air. <laughs> Actually, screw that. The COVID Cup. <laughs> Sorry. Can- Canadian civility goes out the window when you're taking the game I love and turning it into a money machine. Well, making it more of a money machine because, of course, we all know what it is, right? Mm-hmm. Meanwhile... While they have a clear roadmap mm-hmm. and a clear desire to play, right. I'm going to talk about another major North American sport that seems to be in the midst of blowing itself to pieces. Oh, you're talking about uh, uh, bases and balls. Yes. The MLB and the MLBPA apparently cannot sit in a room for more than five minutes together without scrapping like my brother and I when we were kids. <laughs> That, that, that's that's how bad it is, folks. I mean, just and you watch what the players are saying on social media, and you're like, "No, don't say these things where everybody can see them." You mentioned this last week. Has there have there been any more um, shoutouts like that? Yes, actually, a player who we had in Toronto, who now plays for the New York Mets. <clears throat> <laughs> uh, you probably know him. Marcus Strollman. Ah, yes. Yes, who basically said on Twitter, I don't care. There's probably not going to be baseball this year. I have plenty of things I'll, I'll share with you, you know, till next year. Mm-hmm. I'm like going, no, <laughs> you don't want to do this. You don't want to make it seem like you're greedy. We know the owners are greedy. Don't make the players look greedy, too, because then you know what the baseball fan does? They give the one finger salute. <laughs> And baseball suffers for it greatly. I get off my soapbox now. (laughs) Capelia, all our chat with sports, I I joked him that maybe by around Christmas time we'll know who the baseball champion is, even though, you know, two-thirds of uh, North America will be covered in snow by then. (laughs) I was going to say, what what stadiums will be left to use by then? Well, um, my knowledge of baseball is that it's vaguely like cricket, and that's about as far as my knowledge of baseball goes. Um, (laughs) When it comes to hockey, I have to remind myself that you guys mean ice hockey, because over here, hockey refers to field hockey. Oh, that's right. Uh, I have to to remind myself that you guys aren't talking about field hockey. Well, it's the same when we talk about football. We mean a completely (laughs) different game than what you refer to as football. Yes. Yes, football and um, or soccer, isn't it over there? Yeah. Right. Well, they're try they're trying to use the more politically correct term football. Okay, and I didn't know this. There, there was a political correctness going issue going on here. Well, I mean, they're they're trying to make the game more international over here, so they're trying to get everybody to come in. So they make a conscious effort to use the term football to refer to soccer. Well, which refers to football. <clears throat> In, in in the in the Spanish language, we have terms for uh, American football and soccer. We call soccer football. We call American football 
football norteamericano. North American football. So, yeah, we've been politically correct for a lot longer. <laughs> well, unfortunately, that designation forgets that there are two brands of football in North America. Oh, yes. The NFL and the squeak, squeak, squeak Canadian Football League. <laughs> <laughs> I use the mouse metaphor, of course, because Canadian football is like this teeny tiny little mouse sitting around the NFL elephant, where if that elephant falls over, the mouse is... Yeah. Um, I um, I think I've told Capelia that the next time I go to the UK and visit Scotland, I would like to see if there is a rugby game being played at Murrayfield or some other of the major Scottish uh, rugby stadiums. I think it would be cool to see an actual rugby union game. I've seen rugby in person, but it's only been rugby sevens, not a full 40-minute rugby game. And... Um, because of my schedule and whatnot when I was visiting, um, I think a lot of the national teams were away. I was able to get into Twickenham and do the stadium tour. Uh, but uh, no, I, I think I told you, Capelli, I think the next thing on the list is Murrayfield. Yeah, um, Murrayfield is the national stadium in Scotland. So it is, um, it is, or is Hamden. I, my knowledge of sport is so bad. Um, this is quite terrible. No, it's fine. Uh, Rugby is a sport that I have watched on television and I know a little bit about it because my, my sibling plays rugby a lot mm-hmm. and they were actually um, president of a rugby team at university and such so they're, they're big into rugby. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I've heard a few conversations about rugby and I have been to the pub to watch Scotland play. Mm-hmm. Um, that's about my extent of the knowledge. <laughs> yes. You know what will be fun? Uh, Scotland, if, I, if I'm lucky enough, and I don't think I will be, but you never know, Scotland versus another uh, of the UK teams. Ah, yes. Scotland, Ireland, Scotland, Wales, not a problem. Scotland, England can be... Um, just stay in Scotland for that game. <laughs> I was going to say, isn't that like nitro and glycerin and boom? Um, I, I think... It, there is a name. It might be the Calcutta Cup, though. Really, don't quote me on that one. But there is an official name for because there's the in rugby we have the Six Nations, um, which is one of the tournaments, and it's Scotland, Ireland, Wales, England, Italy, and France. I think. Mm-hmm. Goodness, I really shouldn't be quoting this. And um, they they all play together um, as part of the Six Nations, and within it there are little cups, and I think it's the Calcutta Cup that is the. England Scotland rivalry, yeah. and which when those two play, they are playing for the Calcutta Cup. Right, I just looked that up, and I can confirm that it's called the Calcutta Cup. I remembered something. I feel very my my, my sibling will be very proud of me. <laughs> what position uh, in rugby uh, did your sibling play? Um, I believe they were a uh, hooker. Okay, so they're they're one of the the front line people. Yes. The ones that will be involved in scrums when they restart play. Yes, exactly. That um, that I do remember. They were up front and quite involved in the scrums. That that is certainly something. Right. I know that. Uh, I know the scrum safety has bit, gotten a little better in recent years because, you know, growing up, uh, I remember seeing you know the random rugby matches and they would get into the scrums and everybody would bang their foreheads into each other and now it's just you know okay grab on bind on and then push forward i i watch the scrums and and every single time i'm like how, how are they not falling apart how are they not in agony it, it's so impressive the way they keep going through everything that they put themselves through oh, definitely what do you think neff well i mean we get a little bit of rugby over here because of the commonwealth uh, link and I, I must say watching sometimes it's just like Oh, that's going to hurt. Oh, limbs don't go that way. No, no, no. Ooh, just yikes. They thing... don't believe in padding. <laughs> One of the other things that uh, reminds me about rugby, um, there's a very popular uh, Welsh referee by the name of Nigel Owens, who is very popular on social media uh, for having conversations with rugby players and telling them, you know, he told one guy, you know, don't, don't question my authority. I'm the referee. This is not soccer. <laughs> yes, I, I have heard that the way that um, rugby players and 
and soccer players are with the referees is a little bit different. Certainly everything I've witnessed in rugby is that they have ultimate respect for the referee. Oh, yes. And uh, that might be um, one of the things I think might be behind that is certainly how rugby players are, um, you know, are brought up with the um, laws of the game and the respect for the game. Um, But another thing I notice is that rugby referees have microphones and soccer referees don't. Perhaps that is something to do with it. You know, the, the accountability of being heard by everybody perhaps has something to do with it. Mm. Um, I know that um, another friend of mine, a very good friend, Aaron, he um, he plays rugby as well. And I remember I visited him just before he was heading off to a game. And mm-hmm. he had to go to the game when he arrived at the stadium. He had to be in a shirt and tie oh. to then go and play. It was very, very formal and it was a respect thing. And that, I think, like you said, it, it's very, the respect is absolutely within everything the players do. And uh, I thought that was really admirable as well. Right. I know that uh, it's a very uh, wonderful sport uh, to follow. And uh, I think, what, the next Rugby World Cup is in, oh, I don't remember off the top of my head. I want to say it's in, uh, it's either in South Africa or France. Let's take a look. Rugby World Cup 2023, because it was just held in Japan. Uh, it will be in France in 2023. So, 2023. so pretty much in your backyard almost. Um, yes, it's, it's, France is, is very close to us. I've been several times, actually. It's um, it's very short flight away. No, not too bad, not too bad. I know it's quite easy to get... Uh, from Glasgow and Edinburgh to other places in Europe uh, when, you know, not now, obviously, but usually um, um, you get very good uh, connection links. As a matter of fact, uh, I think something we mentioned before, another airline that flies into Scotland often is uh, Emirates. And that's how you got to Japan. That is uh, coming full circle there. That's how I got to Japan. So, yeah, we have... The main thing is that we have connections to London, we have connections to Amsterdam for KLM, and we've got connections to Dubai for Emirates. So that's three big major, or lots of major airlines that fly out of those different cities. So, yeah, I'm really lucky. We can get pretty much anywhere as long as you don't insist on going with, on only one flight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and especially, you know, when things go back to normal, I think I, I wouldn't be comfortable with connections at all, to be honest with you. <laughs> Right now, I think I'm just quite happy to stay at home and I'll look forward to the day that international travel can resume. But until then, just going to stay happy with what we have. At least at least I have my home, my family, my dog, my friends. Very good, very good. And uh, we appreciate, again, everything you do to help us out uh, with your Sarah cosplays. We're going to be uh, – we'll share more of those photos uh, as we go along here and uh, – I know um, you're happy to be with us as well. Thank you. It is it is a great joy. And I'm really lucky to have met like, all the other Sarah cosplayers and yourself, JR and Neff. Um, I'm really glad to have been able to get involved in the station. It's, it's a great, great joy. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, Neff, is there anything you'd like to say to Capelia? Well, again, thank you for staying up at, uh, as I like to call it, stupid o'clock your time, um, because I know it's you know quite a drag being up that late, seeing as how I'm doing it right now, because I'm on vacation, my body clock is all ruined. <laughs> um, but uh, seriously, thank you, and thank you for everything you do for the station. It is very appreciated, and I think our listeners are more than grateful that you took some time tonight to uh, join us. It's been my pleasure. I've enjoyed it. And we're going to have to set up, uh, like we mentioned on the last uh, time that you were on with uh, a couple of the other Sarahs, uh, who were they? Uh, Dearly and uh, Kesho-cho. Uh, we'll have to set up a, like a DND session at some point. I don't know when that's going to happen. but <laughs> We will have to give it a shot and, and see if we can't introduce you to the joys of the game. I think I will go ahead and maybe tonight order the DND uh, starter set. I think, what did you say, starter set? Uh, starter set yep that's that seems to be the the way to get into the game these days um mm-hmm. if you um if you're going to go down that way um main thing what we need is simply a dm and some dice okay 
So we'll have to look into that as well. Hopefully Amazon will sell it as a combination. And very likely it will arrive sooner than my Boxu box. Because apparently uh, the latest Boxu update is that um, they have resumed shipping uh, with, through other logistical means. But since they had delays in shipping all, all the orders to the United States, there is a delay. So maybe by the next time we have a podcast, I can finally try some of those new snacks that have been deferred for such a long time. I'm looking forward to sharing them. Um, and I remember, Capelia, uh, I was able to send something in your direction uh, at the start of all this before uh, before they stopped all the flights. And uh, have you uh, had all those snacks? I have indeed. They were mainly delicious, some a little odd, but that tends to be the, the, the way of it. Um, the peach mochi, they were my favorites. Oh, um, the peach mochi. Lovely. And uh, my partner really liked the tea as well. Well, the t- uh, any tea is good, of course. <laughs> if you like tea. <laughs> Definitely. Um, so, um, as I said earlier, uh, very likely uh, that we will not have a uh, podcast show next week because it'll be uh, a busy week in uh, work land as things go back to normal at my job. So, we'll probably have our next podcast in two weeks, that would make it the week of June 8th, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so, of course, uh, you can follow us on social media uh, for all the latest updates with that. So, Neff, uh, all is left to say is uh, to give us the closing commentary, please. If you have any questions, concerns, compliments, or complaints about this show, or if you've heard on our podcasts, drop us a line at extremeanimeradio at gmail.com. Or private message us, facebook.com forward slash anime radio. And we're on Twitter at anime radio or twitter.com forward slash anime radio. And on Instagram at extreme anime radio. So mainly on our Instagram pages and our Facebook pages is where we'll post some more of the um, Sarah cosplay from Capelia. And Capelia, if anybody would like to uh, follow you on social media... And um, it's at Capelia Cosplay on Instagram and Facebook. Very good. So, Capelia, thank you again for joining us, and thank you for staying up. Uh, you can go to sleep now. I may take you up on that one. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'll probably go to sleep soon. And, Neff, uh, it looks like you've been tired all night. Well, I don't know. As I said, my body, my body rhythms are completely wiped out, so it's like... Waking up late, going to bed late, and then I forget they're starting to build again across the road as the restrictions are easing. So they start at seven in the morning. Oops. Oh yes. Oh dear. So, yeah. uh, but you know, Neff, uh, you probably know this if I were to ask you. Uh, oh, Steelport. You're you're where you live, Neff, is Steelport. Pretty much right now, yeah. But when you're building an 80-story condominium, yeah, that's going to be a while. <laughs> so we're talking about uh, not the uh, steel port that I believe is in uh, uh, c- certain parts of the world. We're talking about uh, uh, steel port in the Saints Row video game. That's where the reference comes from. With mm. all these futuristic... Uh, High-rises all over the place that you can just uh, drive around and fly around. Yeah, but like I, I keep saying, 80 stories, that's going to be one heck of a shadow when that thing is done. <laughs> well, um, Capelli, any final words for our listening audience? Um, just stay safe and um, keep watching anime and listening to the station and doing the things that keep you happy during this time. Thank you very much, Capelia. And uh, for the rest of you folks, uh, for Neff and Capelia, I'm JR. Thank you. And until next time, remember keep on listening to the Extreme Mario podcast, and we'll see you next time. Good night, everybody. Or good morning. <laughs> <laughs> She's hip. She's cool. She loves to dance, and she loves to live life to the fullest. Who is she? She's Sarah Yoshida, the mascot of Extreme Anime Radio. And now, Sarah gives personalized video greetings. 
Thanks to the help of the many cosplayers of Sarah Yoshida, we bring you Sarah Shoutouts. One of the cosplayers of Sarah will provide a personalized shoutout or greeting on video. Want to wish someone a happy birthday or a happy holiday? Ask for advice or an uplifting message? Too shy to say something and want Sarah to say it on your behalf? There are many possibilities. Each Sarah shoutout is only $8. Proceeds will be used toward our monthly live stream bills and help promote the Extreme Anime Radio podcast. For more information on how you can schedule a Sarah shoutout, please email us at extremeanimeradio at gmail.com or private message us on social media on Facebook at facebook.com slash anime radio or on Instagram at extreme anime radio. Terms and conditions apply. Extreme anime radio.